Hey, this is Matt Forbush, and I just uh, got done filming The Root of All Success with uh, the real Jason Duncan. Uh, what a great time and an interesting conversation. He had me on my toes with some questions that were really thought-provoking, and hope you guys enjoyed the uh, answers we were able to put together. Welcome to The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey there, I'm the real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another show. I've got a race car driver on the show today, and I know that's not how he bills himself, but Matt Forbush is going to be on the show, and he is a somewhat very successful race car driver, and we do talk a little bit about that on the show, but that's not what he does full-time. He actually is a very successful entrepreneur. I want to give you a little bit of his background. He began in franchise operations way back in 2007 when he opened his own for his first uh, Auntie Anne's location, which for those of you who don't know, you've never been in a mall or an airport before. They are the pretzel shop, little Auntie Anne's pretzels. Um, but over the last 12 years, Matt has owned and operated multiple franchise locations, not only with Auntie Anne's, but also Cinnabon and Otter's Chicken Tenders. And he's uh, worked at a man management level with stores like uh, Chick-fil-A, Firehouse Subs, and he learned the industry, the, uh, the franchise industry from the ground up. And as such, he ended up developing a software platform called Zignal, which we'll talk a lot about on the show. And I'll spell it for you in the show. So just pay attention. Uh, how, to, how to help franchisees manage their businesses better. So if you're a franchise owner, this definitely is going to be of interest to you today in the show. So I want you to help me welcome race car driver, entrepreneur and just successful dude and father of triplets, which I found out on the show today, Matt Forbush. Hey, Matt, welcome to the root of all success, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you for having me on. Well, it's, uh, it's a great, great world that we live in because I get to run into cool and interesting people like you in unexpected times and places. And so come to find out you and I are the way we met. We're members at the same club in Nashville, the standard club. And uh, I met you on the night right before the Nashville Formula One race last, uh, was it August last year? Yeah, was that it was? yeah, first week in August, typically, yeah. Because you were racing uh, in that race in a, uh, in a Toyota Supra, highly modified Toyota Supra. And I have a funny story to tell you about that before we get into your story, is that I, I told you when we met, it's like, man, these Supras are really cool. I'd love to drive one. Of course, I'd love to secretly... Like I'd love to be a race car driver too, <laughs> but I, but I, I went to, I was speaking at an event in Pensacola back in January and I always use Turo when I go, uh, when I rent cars, do you ever use Turo? You know what I'm talking about? A time or two. Yeah. I have a, uh, I have a time or two specifically when I'm going to a race, it feels kind of fun to do that. If I'm out on a business trip, I'll take the, the Hyundai at the herds counter, but sometimes on a race weekend, I'll, I'll look for something fun and fancy. If it's, uh, you know, like when I was out in Sonoma, actually, I got something fun to drive because, uh, it's pretty, pretty highways to drive on up there. Get you in the mood for getting to the track. 
Yeah. Well, I got, so, so what I did is I rented, I rented a Supra and, and it was probably a terrible decision because we had, we were going to be there for several days and I had big, big bag. And that just thing is not made for luggage. And we barely got our luggage in the hatch of this thing, but holy crap, dude, those things are legit right out of the box, man. I mean, you just stomp on the gas and they'll just light the tires up no matter how fast you're going. It was, uh, so I can't imagine what it's like driving the, driving the one that you drove in the formula one race last year. How, how did you get into race car? Among all the things you've done as an entrepreneur, how did you get into race car driving? Yeah, so uh, I grew up around um, my, my stepfather, who, in fact, who I spent a lot of time with growing up and, and spent a lot of time with him at the track. He was an oral surgeon by trade, but he was a professional race car driver as well. He actually won the, the Rolex 24 in class four times and Sebring 12 hours uh, three times, which those are two of the most are the most prestigious auto races in, in North America and, and worldwide for that matter. Um, so I grew up around that. That was always an aspiration. I had to kind of come from a racing family in that respect. Um, and obviously racing is not um, a cheap hobby. So when I got to a point in life that I was able to kind of pursue that, I did and um, turned that into its own little uh, to business in its own right to help allow me to do it because I wouldn't just write the check out of pocket uh, that it takes to race. So I had to make a business out of that as well to, to allow me to justify doing it. So you've got a race team now and you race pretty frequently is the way I understand it. Is that right? I, I do. Yeah. I have a Forbes performance is based in Memphis and, and uh, we've had multiple different liveries and stickers on the car. First year was Zignal. Uh, last year was CMR Roofing and Construction out of Dallas. Uh, we had two cars with them. And this year, I actually, because I am so tied up with Zignal, I partnered with Skip Barber Racing School, which I'm sure every, you know, anybody in the, in the racing industry is familiar with, and have effectively partnered with their team to where they're actually handling the operations for the cars this year and entering the cars under their team banner, uh, which ultimately allows me to focus more on Zignal. It, uh, running and owning and operating the team quickly became... Uh, a little bit more of a full-time job and less of a hobby that, that uh, uh, between that and Zignal. And then I have a family with, with a beautiful wife and triplets and a triplet boys and a baby girl at home. There just wasn't much time left over. So uh, uh, partner with Skip Barb to try to help take some of the operational burden of the race team off my head, race team off my head without uh, having to give up the seat time and, and getting to race the car. Did you say you had triplets? Or just I have boys. triplet boys that are, um, uh, they just turned eight in March 20th, uh, Smith, Parker and Jackson. And then I have a baby girl, not a baby, she's five, but my baby girl, Ruby. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, that keeps us very busy as you can imagine, uh, with the triplets they are and Ruby, I mean, they're all over the place. You'd think it'd be nice if they'd all just do one sport, but they don't, they've all got their own interest, <laughs> which more power to them. And I love it, but Man, it'd be nice if I was just going to one sport practice instead of three throughout the week. <laughs> wow. Triplets, dude. I, I, uh, I've got lots of twins in my family. As a matter of fact, my first cousin has two sets of twins, believe it or not. Oh. Um, my grandfather was a twin, but my wife always wants, she wanted twins, but we, we did not have them. But I've, I don't think I know, I don't think I know anybody other than you that has, I don't think I know anybody who has triplets. That's I can't imagine that many diapers, that many screaming babies when they're tiny. I, I think it's probably cooler when they get older, but whew, that's a lot, man. So congratulations. <laughs> I'll make them through that. Uh, and my wife, 
I didn't do too many diapers. I'm, I'm I get better as I get older. Uh, but uh, I think it's like ten thousand diapers or something like that in the first year. The kind of general stats on triples, which makes sense if you, if you do the math on it. But uh, it was, it's a lot. But the older they get, the more I can relate to them, and the more, especially being three boys, man, it's it's, pre, it's pretty uh, it's pretty cool. There's and they've got a, such a broad spectrum of interest and um, and, and uh, skill set. You know, they they each have their own niche of what they really are passionate about and good at so it's really it's cool to see um just to see that and how how unique they all are still you know that is uh yeah i mean i've got two kids mine are older now mine are 22 and 20 but but uh you know raising two kids in the same home as different as they are uh i've seen you know you know uh twins be very very different i can imagine the same thing with your kids even though they're all raised under the same roof under the same worldview same parenting stack uh, tactics they're going to be very very different so well let's get into your let's get into the business a little bit so this is the root of all success after all and i want to talk about you as a successful person not only as an entrepreneur but as a dad as a race car driver all things success so let me ask you this question kind of out of the gate how does matt forbush define success like if you had to distill it down to one definition according to you what does success mean you know that's a that's an interesting question i to, i think what i would consider success as maximizing your potential so for me for example in football i played at clemson but i walked on ended up playing some special teams things of that nature you know had some weight room records stuff but i was never had the God gifted ability to be an NFL player, but I made it the most out of every ounce of potential I had. Uh, I look at the same with, with what I've done with, with my racing career and abilities and still continue to push and see where that ends up. Uh, and, and same thing with Zignal. I mean, I don't have a, you know, I didn't get a, a hundred million dollar capital raise like a lot of our competitors do, but we have a superior product in the, in my eyes and in the eyes of my clients who, a lot of times leave the bigger the bigger industry so i would i would um categorize that as as making the most of your potential and not everybody's potential is the same so it's not always apples to apples right as long as you do make the most of what you have to work with and maximize that i don't know what else you can ask for in life so i think that's a great great definition uh, according to your definition maximizing your potential do you consider yourself to be a successful person? Yeah, I think so. For, I absolutely do. Um, um, I like to say I know a, a little bit about everything, a lot about nothing. That's because I work with, with what the God-given abilities and, and um, uh, resources that I have. I think that we're, I do a very good job of, of, of uh, maximizing what I've got to work with. Um, and people in general seem to, to notice that and appreciate that and uh, are more drawn, I feel like, to somebody who has a broader spectrum of knowing a business from the inside out. Because in order to maximize your potential, you have to do the dirty work all the way up to the, the fun stuff and the big meetings and, and great stuff like this interview, right? I mean, uh, 20 minutes ago, I was out there with my team and we were putting together amounts that we're shipping out to clients. You know, I mean, I do the onboarding myself with most of our clients. So I think the passion and the understanding of the business and really enjoying it and appreciating it is, is what your clients uh, in Zignal's perspective 
they see that and they feel that and it's just an energy that's there that they, they see that uh, and, and a lot of people is that's what they look for as opposed to some of the more tangible assets of, of what you might be offering so you built um so you built some sig significant success in the franchise world and i talked about this in the intro you you started out with annie ann's uh you were with cinnabon otters chicken tenders chick-fil-a firehouse subs and then ultimately that led you to build Zignal, Z, that's Z-I-G-N-Y-L, for those that are listening, Z-I-G-N-Y-L, which is a software made by franchisees for franchisees. And so, and then, and then your success in that financially and otherwise has allowed you to go do some racing. So this is a pretty, I, I, I know, I know when you and I first met and I said, Hey man, I'd love to have you on the show. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. I think most people like you're like, they don't, you don't realize how successful you are until somebody on the outside tells you, I love that you think you're successful based on your definition, because otherwise, like, why would you give that definition? <laughs> but, but I, but I want to tell you, like from the outside looking in, this is pretty cool. I mean, you went through the franchise stuff, selling pretzels and cinnamon, cinnamon rolls, right. Mm -hmm. And chicken tenders and subways or subs, not subway. That was a competition, but sub sandwiches uh, to, to, to building this own thing. So how do you, like, how do you think you were able to do all that? What were the keys that allowed you to move so swiftly through these things to become so successful as you are today? Well, I, I grew up to kind of go back to my childhood to a degree and kind of tell the story, kind of, uh, begin with the end in mind. I grew up in a family actually of, of, of medical professionals. My father's a physician, my stepfather's a physician as well. And, and they actually always told me, they said, Matt, you need to do something to make money when you're not there, right? To, to produce when you're not there. You know, they may, uh, as a physician, they, they had to be in the office to be producing, you know? Uh, so I always heard that I got in uh, by virtue of my brother, uh, who owns some Annie Ann's and UPS stores, things of that nature. Uh, I found franchising to be the safest way to start being an entrepreneur, right? And to get into that, because you're taking a reputable business model and just executing it. Um, and not even all franchises obviously are guaranteed. I've had some, I've had plenty of failures and even in the franchising industry along the way. Um, but knowing that that's the route I wanted to go, you know, I was in, I was playing football at Clemson, which was a great time, but I was going in summer camp and, and on my off days and working at firehouse subs in Anderson, South Carolina with the, with the, with 16 year old kids and stuff, you know, uh, after hours to learn the industry from the ground up, uh, because I wouldn't ask somebody to invest in me just because of, because I went to business school. Right. So to learn the industry from the ground up. And then from there, I took it a step further. Um, and my first job out of high, out of college was, uh, an hourly position at Chick-fil-A, not even a shift leader, an hourly position initially working the drive through and learning how to do that. Um, all to prepare myself to, you know, by the time I was 23, I was able to work with my uh, father and brother and they were able to kind of get me some of my own Annie Ann's, but it wasn't just, they weren't, I was very fortunate to have their backing to help me get into it. But um, there was a lot of uh, time put in on the front end to prepare me to get into that stuff at a younger age. So, so you got in, so you got into Annie Ann's was the first franchise that you got into as an owner. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. What, what was the, why, why that? I mean, why did you choose pretzels? What, what was it about that opportunity that made you say, this is what I want to start with? 
Well, to be candid, it's because my brother was into it. He had a bunch of them and it was an easy system. At my age, it was, um, you know, most franchisors don't want a 23-year-old kid getting into that necessarily. And I was able to kind of weasel my way in under my brother's umbrella without a formal transfer uh, at that age. So so a lot of it was trying to get into it that early. And it, I was just very fortunate to have some help from my, my father and, and, and brother with that. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of how we got into Annie Ann's, but as a business model in general, Annie Ann's is great. I mean, the, the profit margins are great because it literally is bread and butter. Um, and it's an impulse buy environment. Nobody goes into the mall. Very few people go into the mall saying, Oh, I'm, I'm going to the mall and go to, to get a pretzel. No, it's an impulse buy environment. And by virtue of that, you can train your crew and your staff to really make a huge impact on sales because people walking by don't know they want aliens. If you go to Taco Bell, you go there because you know you want Taco Bell. So you can actually train your crew to have an excelling store uh, and really ma maximize the potential again out of a little brand or a little kiosk in the mall uh, based on uh, the performance of your employees. You really have a huge impact on it. So I think that in itself is rewarding. And a lot of that is what spawned Zickle. So let me, because I don't know, I've had an Auntie Ann pretzel, of course, in the past. Um, and I think they do a lot of partnerships with Cinnabon. So that's probably the natural, is, is that correct? The natural, uh, bridge from Annie ends to, to, to Cinnabon. I think I've had, I think I might've had a Cinnabon once. I think I'm, I'm health conscious enough to know that <laughs> that's probably my limit. Although they were, they were amazing. <laughs> it was amazing that time that I did have one, but how, like, let's, let's break this down. Like how much money can a franchisee make? And I know you're not representing the franchise where this is not an official offer, <laughs> but like how much could you really make running one of these little, those little pretzel shops? Well, um, again, without the, the disclaimer that I'm not representing anything here, but you know, a, a above average performing store in the, let's just call it the snack brand industry, Annie Ann Cinnabon, which by the way, Cinnabon and Annie Ann's are owned by focus brands out of Atlanta. So that Jamba Juice, um, but for that business model, an average to above average location um, with a reasonable rent package, which don't get me started on malls and rent packages, but with a reasonable rent package, I mean, you know, quarter million dollars. And, and, and it's, that's a little bit above average, probably. Uh, I think, you know, you see people that pull upwards of half a million dollars per location out in, in some of the, the uh, higher performing stores, which keep in mind, this is all based on foot traffic and stuff and malls, my opinion on malls, bad malls by this point are gone and good malls are there. And I believe they keep to get better. Everybody had this big internet fad. I think that the bad malls were going away. Now they are gone, I think, and good malls are continuing yep. to get better. So I'm not as timid and, and uh, bullish on the retail market is the retail enclosed retail environment as a lot of people are. Yeah, the mall. I was actually talking to somebody about this last night uh, um, about malls, and um, we were talking about Opry Mills because the, the the people I was talking to they were staying at Opryland Hotel, which is right next to Opry Mills. Which at one Opryland Hotel at one time here in Nashville was the largest hotel in the world. It's over three thousand rooms. I don't think it's the largest anymore, but right next door is Opry Mills, which was a mall that they built after they shut down Opryland Theme Park in the late nineties. And Opry Mills, in spite of all of the malls dying, continues to grow and seems like it's thriving. Um, but the Rivergate Mall, which for those that are my Nashville listeners will know what I'm talking about, which is the mall I hung out as a kid and did all my cruising. 
you know, all that stuff when I was, it's, it's ghost town. So it is weird how I, and I think you, I think you're hit at the hell, hit the head right on the nail, hit the nail right on the head, Matt, is that the good malls are going to continue to grow. The bad ones are, they're gone, but that's where Annie ends and Cinnabon, they thrive is in those, in those high foot traffic malls. So, so am I here, am I hearing you right? That net, like the, the owner operator can net quarter million. Is that what, is that what that means? I think for a yeah, reasonable mall, you know, a, a Green Hill's a, a, a Galleria type mall. Uh, I think that that's a reasonable number um, for yeah. a good mall. I mean, you know, I, would, I don't know what Rivergate specifically does, but for some of these lower malls, I don't think so. But I think for an average mall, I think that that's the case. I think one of the biggest issues we run into as we try to grow, and I am now a partner in a, in a company that has about 45 locations. Uh, and, and as I see our, our growth trajectory across the Southeast. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. Hey, I want to talk with you about one of my favorite tools as a salesperson and as an entrepreneur, and that tool is Dub. I want you to imagine for a minute getting an email from somebody, and instead of just being the plain old crappy text in an email, rather than just having a bunch of HTML where it's pictures and stuff, what if it was a video? And the video had a little GIF, and it was playing right there in the email as soon as you opened it, and it had your name. Like it said, hello, Jason, check this out. And then you clicked play and it played right there in your inbox in the window. And it was somebody trying to tell you how great you are, or how awesome they can help you, how good they can help you out. That is the power of video emails. I want you to try Dub out. I've been using it for years. I have closed countless millions of dollars in sales over the last six years or so using Dub, and you can do it too. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. That's D-U-B-B, therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. Dub will help you make an impact in your sales through video. It's going to help you with, they've even got a CRM built into it. You can build landing pages. You can do campaigns, even SMS campaigns. You can set up automations to manage workflows and maximize conversions. And like I said, they've got an existing software platform inside Dub to take your CRM to the next level. Try this out. Get a free special just by being a listener to the podcast. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. Get two weeks to try it for free and 50% off your first two months. That's therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the yellow pages. You remember those things? <laughs> And 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door-to-door -door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram Reels or TikTok or YouTube Shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? How, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't know what to talk about. Well, Story 
takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because Story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. Don't waste time on that. And by the way, if you're not confident in talking on video or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They remove the awkward pauses. And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions, they add the relevant hashtags, and they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today and to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that story with two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story, that's S-T-O-R-Y-Y, for 10% off your first three months to try Story out. You're going to thank me later. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. For that specific um, niche, the enclosed mall and, and the snack brand environment, there's not there's no mecca of new enclosed malls out there. So the only way you can really grow is through acquisition. And at this point you're paying premium money for the acquisition of a, of a brand in a, in a, in a, what they call an a, a or B rated mall, which are the, the green Hills for our Nashville listeners and opera mills, things of that nature. Uh, there's no, yeah. not too many opportunities for new locations there. You have to grow with acquisition. So that, that is kind of at, uh, outside of your control as far as how quickly that is in some respects. Well, I would have never guessed it would have been that high in terms of net. So that's that's impressive. Um, now, you also were involved in Otter's Chicken Tenders. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Never heard of that before. Uh, that's not here in the Nashville market that I'm aware of. So is that like competition against uh, like Zaxby's, Raising Cane's, maybe to an extent Chick-fil-A? Is that is that kind of the same genre of, of restaurant? Well, I'm surprised you haven't heard of me in the Nashville market, but 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 uh, alluding to what I was speaking to earlier, um, that one's one that didn't go well. So that was a, a brand that I, at the time, thought that it was kind of an up-and-coming brand along the Raising Cane's, Zaxby's line. Yes, you're right. Uh, and it was, I think we were their third location. We, we were in Murfreesboro, right off Medical Center Parkway there in the greater Nashville area. And um, I don't know, I think that they used to have one on Demumbry, and I think that the brand as a whole folded to the best of my knowledge, but that was definitely a learning experience. Uh, that was the inverse of kind of franchising being a, a safe bet. Um, and it was, uh, again, it was, it was an unfortunate learning experience as to in a bunch of respects for me personally and, and, and from a business perspective too, right? I think I was really eager to grow at a young age and kind of wanted to take a long shot that, that ended up setting me back in the long run for quite some time. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but you have, well, uh, in, in, there, there's good, there was some silver linings to what I learned out of that, as I'm sure you hear a lot. Well, well yeah, I mean, Napoleon Hill says the thing can grow rich that with every adversity, there is an equal or a greater benefit, the seed of an equal or greater benefit. So, and I love that he uses the word seed because in that crappy time when a store shutting down, you're losing money. I mean, I've gone through it too. I think every entrepreneur has gone through the, at least one big, uh, whoops, <laughs> this didn't work. We lost money on it. But, but we all see in that a seed 
of an equivalent benefit, meaning it's just a seed. It's going to grow into something great later where you've now succeeded by, uh, with Zignal, which I want to talk about now is, you know, you've, you've used all of those experiences to develop now a very, very good and successful brand around helping franchise. So let's talk a little bit about Zignal when it started. Well, first of all, what the hell does it do? What is, what is Zignal? Cause if we don't own franchises, we don't know what that means. What, what is it? Yeah. So the, the Zignal, and I think you spelled it out earlier is, uh, it, it, at one point was called signal management throughout the process. And so Zignal, Z-I-G-N-Y-L is the same phonetics as uh, signal, but uh, I could get the URL and the trademark on it. So I like to tell people and it sounds cool and catchy. Uh, the idea being if you own 20, 30 locations or two or three for that matter, uh, it gives you a signal like a traffic light, uh, a red light to say, this is where you need to pay attention. You can't go through and check a hundred tasks at 30 locations every day to make sure they're literally checked off. Um, or complying or look at your schedule versus your actual label, all the little things you need to look into, you can't go and filter through that on a daily basis because uh, then you'd have no time to grow the business. What you need is something that gives you a signal as to where you need to pay attention throughout the day. So that's where Zignal and Signal came from. Um, to answer what it does is, is knowing the franchise industry as, as intimately as I have growing up, uh, there's a huge fear of group employment in the industry, uh, which is the whole premise behind franchising. And I think uh, when I got into this, it was during the Obama administration and, and it got to the point where the franchisor would not give you as much as a uh, now hiring sign because of the fear of, of the group employment suits that could come against the franchisor, which would blow the whole franchising uh, model up for the most part. Um, so. In a nutshell, what Zignal does is it provides the franchisee with the services a franchisor can't for fear of group employment. I mean, that's all. It's a bunch of back office stuff that largely handles with the uh, with the management of the employees directly. You know, payroll incentives, uh, employee performance, things of that nature, because that's the arm's length that the franchisor wants to keep away. Say, We're, we've got to deal with you, Matt. You manage your own employees. We don't want any crossover between you and the employees, th that, that's your issue. So I provided Zignal, we sell directly to the franchisee, not to the franchisor, um, the services that, that traditionally a franchisee's either had on paper in their back office or uh, complexity of spreadsheets, Excel spreadsheets uh, across the board. Okay, so you're, you're helping manage the franchisee's whole systems from employee engagement, I, I, I would imagine too, that would compensation point of sale stuff, all of that. Is that kind of, is that right? All of that stuff together. Yeah. And again, at a 90,000 foot view, what coming from an impulse buy industry as I did and seeing the impact, well trained and an energetic and engaged staff can do for sales. Um, holistically what signals intended to do is help change human behavior for the best. Right. And that's quite simply through, through two methods. One, is through transparency. So the, the signals of, okay, this isn't going right and giving owners quick transparency as to where things, where their attention needs to be directed. And two, and probably more importantly and more uniquely is by rewarding the employees and kind of a, if, if the store wins, everybody wins. And that's 100%, at least in my opinion, based on, on um, sales performance. Uh, so, so really give the employees a, a feeling of ownership and, and reward them when they perform above average. Hmm. So let me ask you this, 
Um, as an entrepreneur myself, and a lot, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs. I I am always on the lookout for a business to invest in. I'm always on the look, like what could I buy? What could I to 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 add to my portfolio of companies to produce cash flow, et cetera. You know, I'm not asking you officially. This is just two guys talking on a podcast here. But like, what do you see in the franchise space that is a great opportunity right now for somebody like me or somebody one of our listeners say, you know what, this is this is a good franchise opportunity. Invest in this low time, maybe even low investment. Although that not necessarily what I'm looking, but low time involvement for maximum return of cash flow. What do you, do you have your finger on the pulse of that to give us some ideas inside inside tip? It's I don't specifically, as far as an up and coming brand name, but I think I can give you uh, in the scenario you gave me a, a much better advice. And I think it's kind of somewhat irrelevant of the brand to a degree. If you're looking for passive income off a franchise, make sure you find a good operating partner that has equity as well. Uh, because unless you can live, eat, sleep and breathe, and I see this all the time, you know, people who have a, going to be a pilot over here or have a, a job with reasonable income. And they say, well, I'm going to get a, uh, an Annie Ann's and we're just going to kind of run it on the side and then you're not pulling 250 out of it. I can promise you that because uh, you, it's a full-time job. Now, that being said, you can leverage um, your uh, uh, either borrowing power or, or cash, whatever it may be, and find the right operating partner who's somebody who may not have had the opportunity that you do to, to bring the cash to the table that's where it works out so well. I mean, everybody knows Chick-fil-A is a perfect example of this. I don't know if, if, if you know or, or how many of our listeners know how Chick-fil-A works, but they give um, they give the person who owns and operates a Chick-fil-A doesn't formally own it. Uh, Chick-fil-A owns the building. They lease it back to them. But effectively, it's somebody who couldn't probably have had that opportunity elsewise, and they don't let them have more than a store or two, and they require it to be uh, their primary source of employment. So uh, skin in the game for somebody who's living there day in, day out. That's what it's taking. You take about any brand out there and you put the right owner operator in there who lives, eats, sleeps and breathes it. Uh, you'll have a successful one. I don't, I, I don't advise um, anybody to just get one and think it's just because it's got a good brand name. It's going to take care of itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you've been able to be an investor in these now that you've kind of built up your, your portfolio. You got, you got several of these locations, multiple locations, but, but what I think is cool about what you've done, Matt, is that you get to go racing, <laughs> even though it's not full time, like you've developed a lifestyle, which I like to call the exit lifestyle that allows you to do what you want, right? You, you, you can go and spend the first week of August, racing a car really, really fast around the racetrack in Nashville. And that's a dream of mine. I would love to do that. Uh, I would love to be able to have that opportunity. So you've built a life that allows you to do that and all the other stuff with four kids and everything else you got going on. Uh, so congratulations. I think that's what we're all aiming for is how do we build a business that provides us the opportunity to live the lifestyle that we truly desire. So congrats. I think you're, I think you're killing it, man. From the outside looking in, this is great. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> what do you think about it? I like to say I'm always working, but I'm never working. And so that's kind of the, the, the trade off between kind of the entrepreneurship track, if you will. Um, um, don't let the racing fool you. And it's not necessarily the retirement hobby because there's a lot of work that has to go into it. So it is affordable for me to do. Right. I mean, like I said, I don't care how much money I had. I wouldn't 
write the check it costs to just go show up and drive. I have, I think it's just something about my personality would let me do that. So you got to be really, I have to turn that into a job to keep it affordable for me to do and, and an easy pill to swallow. But I enjoy that. You know I mean? And that's always been my goals. I wanted my company on the side of a race car. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, who knows what happens in the future with Zignal. But if I had one job in the future and, and, and Zignal, transitions to somebody else's hands in the future it would probably be going back to the race team because i really am and passionate about ziggler i'm passionate about that too but i have realized that i can't serve both fully at one time so we're, we're kind of focused really heavily on ziggler right now um and, and see what comes of that and really try to keep it up and coming well if you continue to keep your focus in the right place you'll you'll be able to do what you want to do later as one of my mentors taught me Focus stands for follow one course until successful. And I think us as entrepreneurs need to need to kind of pay attention to that because he who chases two rabbits catches neither. Mm-hmm. And we need to, we need to make sure like I feel like I'm chasing multiple rabbits a lot of times and, and have to remind myself it's like I can't do that. I got I got to focus on this one thing and make this right. So I, I applaud you for what you're focused on with Zignal. It sounds like you're killing it there. What's kind of What's, what's the next big thing for Zignal? Are you just trying to do, you know, take it to more franchises? What, what do you, what's, what's the next big thing for Zignal? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've, I've actually done a little downsides with Zignal and have a really efficient, great team in house. I think what I have realized myself uh, at reasonable expense and um, over a reasonable amount of time as well is, is I am really good at um, creating efficient. I mean, I'm huge on efficiency and effectiveness and, and things that, and, um, and consistency. And I've done a really good job creating a, a, a world-class app and software system that, that is really conducive for that in the franchise industry. What I have realized I'm not the best at and have spent way too much time and money probably within Zignal is, is necessarily the marketing component of it, the scaling component of it. So I think what I foresee in the next year to two is the correct, not a sellout, but a partnership with uh, maybe a payroll company, maybe somebody that brings some infrastructure and some experience scaling a software business because that's not my expertise it took me a while to swallow that pill in the meantime we're growing as quickly as we can in-house uh, and have lines of new clients and stuff like that to onboard uh, so i think what's the next big thing for signal is the right partnership and you know it's not a, it's not as much about a capital raise i have never gotten into the whole capital raise i've been fortunate to where i was able to bootstrap a lot of this I've spent all my time and I don't honestly know much about the industry and how, you know, seed rounds and I've got kind of somewhat educated myself about it. But at the end of the day, I haven't spent my time worried about, about valuations. I've spent all my time trying to make a product that's effective and efficient. And I really enjoy seeing the impact it makes on our clients. Um, so I see it's the next big thing for Zignal is being a, finding the right partnership uh, to help take it to the next level and, and kind of swallowing a little bit of a pill and understanding that that may not be my, my niche, but you got to have the right product to take it to the next level. Right. So where is uh, Matt Forbush going to be racing next? I go, I just got back from Sonoma a couple of weeks ago. We go to new Orleans next week. Uh, there's a, there's a, we're on a pro series. that has seven races. Next race is at new Orleans next week. And then, Two or three weeks after in May, we're at uh, Coda down Circuit of Americas in Austin, where they run the uh, USGP, uh, the Formula Nice, race. nice, man. Well, congrats, dude. I, I want to ask you as we finish up today to give some advice. So I want you to give some advice to the listener. I want you to look out 
there and think about all these entrepreneurs that are listening to this show, listening to you who've gone through the, all the franchising that you've done. Now you've got a successful software company with Zignal and it allows you the opportunity to go do racing, which is like a dream of mine. Like I would love to do that. So it, what is your piece of advice to all these people thinking, I want to be able to do that? Well, I want to be able to, you've already given us your key to success and a definition, which is maximizing potential. But what's a tactical, practical piece of advice that you give everybody who's listening? Uh, I think what, and what I find every day is, is, you know, was it Rome wasn't built overnight and you always hear these really sexy stories of somebody went from, from zero to a billion dollars overnight. Right. And, and I don't know who those people are and, and uh, <laughs> would love to meet some of them, but I think it's really about, I mean, just grinding it out. It's, it's taken me four or five years to really get signal to a point where people like you and, and, and which I'm very fortunate to go speak on a panel in Chicago here in a couple of weeks and the clients were starting the game. Uh, it's been a real grind and there's nothing fun or sexy about it. So you got to be passionate about it and you just got to grind it out. There's, I, I think there's very few overnight successes. And, and if you're getting into entrepreneurship to have an overnight success, go get a lottery ticket because you're probably just as likely. But if you can have something that you're passionate about, set yourself up to grind it out for years um, and to give it all you got and then still understand that it may not work. Uh, then you got a, you got a, a, uh, a reasonable shot at it. Well, Matt, congratulations on all your success. I appreciate you being on the show today and uh, I'm going to tell everybody to go check him out. Uh, the, the website for Zignal is Z I G N Y L that's Z I G N Y L. So Zignal.com. And you can follow him on social media at Zignal on IG and Twitter. That's at Zignal. Again, that's Z-I-G-N-Y-L. So go check him out. Matt, I will see you soon. I hope that we'll run into each other at the standard before too long. But congrats on your success and thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me. Well, there you have it. Another successful entrepreneur sharing his story of going through franchising into software, which allowed him to do race car driving. And I know I said it so many times on the show ad nauseum, actually, but you know, I, I've always wanted to be a race car driver. I love driving fast and not just because I want to speed. I just enjoy the thrill of, of, you know, whatever a race car driver might experience. And I know I've been going through think and grow rich workbook with a friend of mine recently. And also now I'm going through it with my son. And one of the things that you're supposed to do is like list some dreams that you've never told anybody. And that's actually one I wrote down because I haven't, well, now I'm telling everybody because you're listening to the show, but I secretly would love to be a race car driver. I, I've told my wife, hey, for a birthday or something, a gift at some point, get me on a track somewhere, get me on a racetrack, put me in a Porsche, put me in a, like I love Mini Coopers, like put me in a Mini Cooper, like get me on a track somewhere. I would love to do it. Not just go around in circles, but like a road track. I would love to do that. So if you are a listener and have access to any of that, listen, I'll get you on the show. Well, let's work something out. I would love to go do that. But but the point of all that is for Matt is that he built a business that allowed him to do that. And isn't that the point? I mean, building the business that allows us to do what we want. I firmly believe that the purpose of business ownership is not just to own a business and to have a better job. The purpose of business ownership should be the key to being able to live the life that you truly desire. It's to be able to have the financial resources and the time freedom to go out there and do what you want when you want. That is the purpose of business ownership. And if you're living in the weeds every single day, you don't have time to go out and do anything you want. Well, what makes you any better than somebody working in the corporate world? 
Entrepreneurship and business ownership should be better than that. It should provide you a better opportunity. That's why I wrote the book, Exit Without Exiting, to show you how you can do that. This is what it looks like if you're watching this on YouTube. It's Exit Without Exiting, how to live the exit lifestyle sooner than you ever thought possible. How, how, to, sell, how to exit without exiting, how to exit without selling the business. Go check that out, therealjasonduncan.com slash book, therealjasonduncan.com slash book. Pick up a copy, read it, because what it does, it allows you to live the life that Matt Forbush is living. I want to thank Matt Forbush and Zignal, folks at Zignal, for being on the show today. And I want you to please tune in again next week when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan. And as always, Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>